Hey there, friend. You know, weight loss can be a pretty tricky subject, especially if you've already lost some weight and you're working on those last 10 to 15 pounds. It's definitely a different experience than when you're trying to lose the first 10 to 15 pounds. Lots of people have a whole lot of opinions, and it can feel pretty lonely to be working on those last few pounds by yourself. That's why I'm bringing back a beloved free training called Losing the Last 10 to 15 Pounds. We are going to talk about what losing those last pounds is, and more importantly, what it's not about. We'll bust through the myths, and we'll talk about what's really needed to lose those last 10 to 15 pounds. And finally, I'll share with you how to lose the last 10 to 15 pounds in a way that is loving and safe and healthy, and most importantly, a positive experience for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Tuesday, May 21st, 2024, once at 11 a.m. Central and the other at 7.30 p.m. Central. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a great time together. But if you can't make either of those times on that day, I'm not going to leave you hanging. We are offering several watch parties through the rest of the week and even on the following Saturday. So come and watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will definitely be worth your time. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash lose the last. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash L-O-S-E-T-H-E-L-A-S-T. Now, please enjoy the show. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Katrina Ubel, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hello there, my friend. Welcome to today's podcast episode. I am really excited to bring on a couple. I don't do a lot of interviews where I have two people on at the same time. But these two are a pro and they live together, run their business together, have a family together. So they have a way of working together and and being together that makes this a really great episode for you. I have known Aaron Aikwin and Steve Hossie for many years now, actually. And they are really just such great people to have in my life. While they have not actually been like, you know, my coaches or, or, you know, somebody that I've hired to help me, they have really made a difference for me in my life in terms of the way that I think, the way that I lead, and really just being examples for me in so many ways. And I think it's so great to have people like that in your life. You know, what's also great is when people are just like interesting people and they have an interesting background. (laughs) I encourage you to go to their about page on their website to learn more. I mean, talking about like just very interesting lives that they've led. It's uh, very, very cool. So Aaron and Steve, like I said, they are, you know, a couple, but they also are master certified coaches and they work together to help leaders and business owners and just people who want to develop their leadership skills through coaching, bringing their own kind of unique 
takes on things, their own perspectives. It's like two puzzle pieces that fit together really well. They're not bringing the same thing, which is so good, right? Like it's like we need both of them. And yeah, they're just incredible. So I was really excited to be able to record a two-part episode for you because they offer such a great fresh perspective that I think everybody's going to benefit from. So on this episode, we talk a lot about taking care of yourself, but from a leadership place and making it something that is really doable and accessible. Like to me, it all felt like so grounded and like, this is something that I can do instead of like, here are all the bajillion things you need to be doing. (laughs) You do them every day, perfectly, all the time, and then you get to feel good, which is sometimes the way self-care can come across, you know, or if you do some of the things that are technically self-care and they don't really move the needle for you and you don't really feel less burnt out or more like your cup has been filled, then what? Like, are you doing it wrong? No, there's just different ways to approach this. So that's what we're going to talk about on this episode, including their proprietary way of thinking about this called the tending triad. I'm really excited for you to learn more about that. And uh, in the next episode, we're going to talk about some other things, some more leadership related things. So if you're wondering, how does this relate to weight loss and eating? It has everything to do with weight loss and eating. (laughs) Because when we are not feeling good, we often are asking food to help us with that. We're going, you know, I don't feel well cared for. I don't feel like I have you know, time to just even have a minute to myself. So then while I'm racing around, I can also just eat something and that'll give me a little bit of a dopamine hit and distract me from what's really true about me and my life. So when we want to stop doing that, it really benefits us to be solving those problems that lead us to want to use food to solve them, right? Rather than just trying to avoid them or use willpower to just like white knuckle it through, we want to actually understand those problems better and take action, take steps to improve our experience of our lives so that food just gets to be food. And then we know how to handle the rest of our life in other ways. So please enjoy this episode with Aaron Aikwin and Steve Hossie from Superbound. Aaron and Steve, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. Great to be here, Katrina. Thanks for having us. You know, it's always really funny. Um, We have a podcast and we do this all the time. But I'm like, I always get a little nervous before we get interviewed. But it's so fun that we're here with you. And I'm so excited. I love you. (laughs) I love you guys too. I think this is going to be such a great two-part episode. We have two episodes. It's going to be great. So let's start off with you each taking a turn, letting us know just a little bit about you, like your background, the fact that you're married. (laughs) Yes, uh, that is probably the first thing you need to know is we are, we are we're, we're married and we have a business together and children. I actually started my time as a coach, as a relationship coach. So I was working with people on their romantic relationships for a really long time. And then as we sort of cleaned that up for people, actually a lot of doctors, we started to dive into, you know, what their business aspirations were, what their career aspirations were. And it's so funny when the interpersonal stuff and the self-care, which we're going to talk about today, starts to really get dialed in, it opens up a whole world of of energy and inspiration. And so we've had a business for the last few years together, and we work mainly with leaders and entrepreneurs and doctors. So cool. Steve, tell us about your background. 
Sure thing. So within the company, Erin is the CEO. So we are a woman-owned, woman-led <laughs> business, um, which is which is always fun. She's a fantastic leader, and we're going to be talking about leadership today. My background, I started in music uh, as a trumpet player and then switched to software because, you know, music to software, it just makes all the sense in the world. And uh, started some companies, uh, joined some other scale-ups, uh, was at some incredible tech high growth, public market kind of uh, experiences, learned a lot, had a great time. And at the same time, was always drawn to how do you live a great life? Just because you're making boatloads of money, you know, building software doesn't mean you've got your life figured out. And so my passion was always, how do we live life at the highest level? And how can I help other people do that same thing? And so coaching became a natural thing for me to weave into my work and then eventually just uh, joined Aaron's company. And now I do that full time. That's so fun. So fun. And can I, I can I share that you guys live in Canada? Yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> but you're not both Canadian, actually, originally. I'm working, working on, on it now. My citizenship is in process. It's weaving its way through the red tape. Okay. <laughs> so good. So good. Okay. So what I think is really interesting is actually just pivoting off what you were just saying a little bit. It's Often what gets the most priority is like the building of the, you know, stereotypical markers of success, right? Like getting promotions or making more money, working your way through the hierarchy to get to where you envision yourself to be only to, for a lot of people, end up there and go, this is not what I expected it to be. I mean, I probably best case, it's different than what you expected. Maybe not, you know, bad. I find that rarely without planning or thought behind it, is it better than you thought it would be? <laughs> you know, there's usually challenges that maybe you just didn't anticipate, new issues, problems, things that you just didn't know would exist when you achieved that or got to that place. And so I think some people will get there and kind of be like, oh, like, huh, I really thought it was going to be better than this. And rather than immediately focusing on, well, here's how you have to do your job better you guys both really turn the mirror, well, turn the mirror, the mirror is on the, the actual person, but like turn the focus inward to first look at how are you taking care of yourself? So that's what we're going to focus on on this episode is really talking more about that self-care element. I know that lots of people have heard about self-care. I've talked about it on various episodes, but you guys have a little bit of a different way of thinking about it and something that you really focus on a lot. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. So I'll preface this with saying I used to be a yoga teacher and an acupuncturist and would give people a lot of like wellness opportunities. <laughs> and about 10 years ago, I had like a full burnout episode. I had basically an autoimmune issue that lasted better part of a year. It was really, really painful. And it was one of those moments for me where I realized that I knew all the things I should be doing. I was literally talking about self-care, what we think of self-care day in and day out. But knowing what to do and actually doing it, you're two very different things. And the first thing I recognize is when you are the one responsible, which I think this is very relevant for any doctor, when you are responsible for people's lives and you're responsible for maybe your your clinic or and your patients and the bills and your household and whatever else you've got going on, a bubble bath is not enough. A week-long vacation is not enough. The traditional 
concept of self-care, the way most of us think about it, is resting and downtime and unplugging. And that's not always a possible reality when your work is so intense and your life might be so intense. So the very first sort of reframe that we like to use is we don't talk so much about self-care. We talk about self-investing. And everybody knows like self, like investing is something that you do towards your future. It's something where you're not going to get immediate returns from whatever you invest. It has to compound. It has to grow. And I have found with people who have a lot of responsibility, that idea tends to resonate more. If we think, okay, I'm going to eat foods that are actually nourishing me rather than grabbing the bag of old Halloween candy that's still sitting on my shelf. chips in the doctor's lounge. <laughs> totally, right? Or, or the donuts at the nurse's station. I've heard mm-hmm. those are... But as soon as you think about like, I'm going to make the investment to actually seek out something that I know actually responds better in my body, mm-hmm. there is something that accumulates within you. And I think it's a helpful and really simple reframe to talk about self-care as self-investing. What I love about that is just using that kind of comparison to investing your money. I mean, would it be more fun to spend all of your money immediately? Of course, right? Like typically, yes. But what you do is you actually deny yourself some of the pleasure of the experiences or things that you could buy with that money to put it away, to invest it, knowing someday, like you're taking care of yourself someday, someday this money is going to be helpful to you. It might actually even be helpful to your family. It might be something that you can use philanthropically. It could be helpful to somebody else. But the whole point of it is, you know, to grow and to build into something that's going to be really valuable in the future. And it's very similar here, right? Is it more fun to eat the chips when you're exhausted and you're over it and you just want to feel better that second? Yeah, probably. <laughs> for people who are into that, you know, like, but for some people, it's like the glass of wine at night or, you know, whatever it is, that thing that they really like by taking the time to do the thing that supports you more. Yeah, it probably won't feel as good. And when you think about it, like investing, you're not expecting it to. I think when you think about it, like self care, you're more likely to be like, well, I should feel cared for. I should feel like this is like an immediate return. Like this is really good. And that's not how. It really works. It doesn't work like that. It's an interesting thing, though, because it's easy enough to get into it. Like we just opened up an investment account in our business. And so we took some of the money and we put it in the investment account. We bought, you know, an index fund against the Toronto Stock Exchange. And I was like, yes, we put that money in the TSX, baby. You know, let's grow. And, you know, yeah, we didn't blow it on whatever fun things, you know, Christmas decorations like my kids want us to. Not going to do that right now. But that joy of, hey, we're doing this and it's for us and this is really helpful. You can also feel the same thing like when you're eating a really healthy dish, when you're kind of sitting down and just nourishing your body, the immediate experience, you know, it might not be as pleasurable as eating something less nourishing, but you can feel that sense of yes, I'm in line with where I want to go and how I want my life to feel and look. Yeah. It's like, this is the kind of person that I want to be. <laughs> I'm taking action that's in alignment with you know those values. Yeah. I love that. So you talk about something called the tending triad. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So the tending triad is how we care for folks who have more responsibility where the bubble bath doesn't cut it. 
And for anyone who's ever maybe studied firefighting, it's actually the fire triangle. And this is how you can remember it. So basically, you need three things to create fire. You need heat, you need fuel, and you need oxygen. And the way that we think about that is to tend our inner fire, we need those same things. The first part of the tending triad, the heat, is your passion. So it's actually spending time in your day-to-day life connecting to the bigger purpose for why you do what you do. For folks that listen to this podcast, you probably have a really good reason for taking on such a challenging profession. And yet, how often do you actually give yourself room to think about why that was so meaningful and how much it's taken you to get here to actually bask in that bigger purpose? One of the most helpful things that we'll do with clients is help them get out from in the weeds, right up against the problem to say, why does this matter to you? Why are you even in that problem? They're like, well, because I love what I do and my business should exist. You're like, yeah, exactly. Right. So we call the heat. That's your visionary practice. We say that's your source of free energy because it's the work that you're doing each day that actually moves you closer to your vision. And not all of your work is going to be moving you closer to your vision. But if you spend some time really reflecting on why you're doing this really hard thing, why it matters to you, you know, what you want your contribution in the world to be, it is a source of energy that actually can prevent you from that experience of burnout where you're like lost. And why am I doing this? Right. You connect to that purpose regularly. I'm glad you brought up that idea of a visionary because visionary is a term that's used in business a lot and not so much in medicine. And I think some people might be like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm not in charge. Like I'm not the CEO of the organization or I don't have a leadership role within maybe a smaller organization, but you still are a visionary in how you envision your interactions with your patients. Like what's an ideal for how you'd like to interact with them or interacting with the, you know, hospital staff or things like that? Like you still have a vision of what you'd like, where you're trying to go toward and you know, when you're the visionary, you're, it's your job to stay connected to that vision and keep moving closer and closer and closer to that as much as you can. So I think it could be actually really empowering and energizing for doctors to think about themselves as a visionary, no matter what the role is, even if they are just out of training, like just getting started, they still are responsible for staying connected to that purpose, like you said. And it is an easy thing to start losing. You know, there's so many annoyances, so many things that just, you know, are difficult, challenging, obstacles, barriers. You're trying to do the right thing and everything is standing in your way and it can feel so, so, so difficult. But it could be, you know, that that thinking about it, at least sometimes getting into that visionary space helps to pull you out of the daily slog and all the, you know complications and problems and stuff that arise to help you to stay connected to that. Like, what is the point of that? And I think that when you think of doctors who have a very long career, you know, and not because they were like forced to keep working, but, you know, let's just say that they really enjoyed it. They were very connected to that vision, that purpose. I I can remember this one pediatric cardiologist who was at the very end of his career when I was doing my residency training, and he would round twice a day on the patients in the pediatric ICU. I mean, he would come in like when we were on call, he would always, you know, always come in around on his patients in the evening when he really didn't have to, like this was unnecessary, but he did anyway. 
And I will never forget this one patient, this little baby that I was taking care of for a long time. And then this doctor went on vacation. And then all of a sudden there was a postcard from Hawaii, like tucked into the baby. They were, the baby was in a radiant warmer. So it was like kind of like open air laying there, you know, just like with the warmer. And this little postcard from Hawaii was tucked in on the side of this baby's warmer. And I thought to myself, I, I, and I was like, what's this? I looked at it and it was literally from that doctor. And I was like, and this is why he's this old and still so connected. Like that is how connected he is to his patients, a baby, you know, and like, Sadly, this baby's family, it was never, almost never there. So it, it's not like it was not performative. It was not for show. It was like he really stayed connected to that. And I think it can be a real challenge these days to stay connected to that, but it doesn't mean it's not possible. And it doesn't mean it's not worth your you know effort to do that. Speaking of that, though, I would love to know like something practical. Like, so someone's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I get it. Like stay connected to that purpose. Like, but what does that look like for different people? Like how would one do that? Yeah. So a really simple exercise that I do with clients, but you can d- definitely take five minutes out of your morning and, and do this is actually thinking towards the, this, you know, it's just going to get spiritual and deep for a second, but thinking about the end of your career, maybe the end of your life, the legacy you want to leave behind, and actually taking some time to consider what that is. And it could be as simple as just journaling about it for five minutes. It could be thinking about the next, even, you know, and even maybe on a more more practical level, it could be as simple as thinking about some of the decisions you have to make and asking yourself, you know, what is the lens, the visionary lens that I want to make this decision from? If the future ideal that you just spoke about is possible for me, what's the next step towards that? The thing with visionary practice is, first of all, it's a nice thought experiment. It definitely connects you to the the warm fuzzies, but it has to be backed up with action. That's why it's a practice. So I think for a lot of people finding the vision might take some time. It may not be like a sentence that anybody's painting on their wall tomorrow, but you probably have a a felt sense. If you've gotten this far and you're a doctor in your world, you actually have access to it now. Yeah. And so it's going to look like some reflection and then it's going to look like action based on that reflection. Because we talked about vision is not a destination. It's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It is a practice that you do each day. It's the postcard that you send to your patient because you just love them. And that's how you have maintained that kind of longevity as you journal about it, as you reflect on it, as you even just take a pause to say, why am I doing this? What legacy do I want to leave? The next question is, and how will that look in the world? doesn't have to be a major thing. It can change over time. It can be what's relevant to, you know, your course of study, your course of employment. But as long as it's connected to the vision and it's having an impact in the world, that can be your visionary practice that will increase that heat for your fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're talking about it as though it's like something, it almost sounds like, you know, I'm working in service of this big vision. I'm just an employee of my vision, but that's not actually the full picture because the ideal vision for you should also be able to help you weather all the annoying storms. It should actually be big enough to hold you. It is more of a collaboration rather than you now have another employer to work for. Right. 
Or like, because you have this purpose, you should never complain about anything. And you should just only live in that space of vision all the time. Like, that's not how it is. But here's what I think is actually interesting. Because, you know, there's so many things that we could spend time, you know, different practices and journaling about and stuff. But I think there are a lot of missed opportunities to do thinking like this. So a big one is on a commute. You know, we're so quick to turn on the radio or a podcast or music or, you know, something when actually just taking that however many minutes that is to just think about what you were just talking about, right? Like can be a huge way for you to kind of like multitask, so to speak, like find the time to do that. Or if you're out, you know, for a walk or something like that, or, you know, just taking those moments to actually be able to spend a little time on it. And like you said, it really doesn't have to be that much time. It's just a thought about like, I love that. It's just kind of like, what's the next step? I don't have to have it all figured out before I can take action. But what is the next thing? Kind of like, you know, if you think about in bowling, like the bumpers, you know, in the alley, you know, just like what kind of redirects me, re-corrects that path to get me closer to that. So what's the next part of the tending triad? So next up, we have the sustaining rituals. And again, the fire triangle, if heat was your visionary practice, Sustaining rituals are your fuel. If there's no wood to burn, no materials for the fire to actually consume, there will be no fire. And that's the same for your life. If you don't have energy, if you don't have your health, there is no work to be done because you don't have the vehicle that will actually be doing the work. And so sustaining rituals are really cool because you don't necessarily have to add anything to your life in order to do them. We're not talking about get out the 20 point checklist for a spa day and find the time for it. We're actually talking about the things you currently do, approach them, if this resonates with you, as more of a ritual than, you know, just some part of your life. So we're talking, this is where your approach to food and nutrition could come in because that is part of how you sustain yourself. Mm-hmm. Your approach to sleep, your approach to exercise, each of these things that you are already doing, maybe to some degree, if you see them as how you are investing in your well-being, it creates a different container for them, a different level of creativity and intentionality that you can then add things to, but you don't have to start with a big list of sustaining rituals. Yeah, for folks, I think about like folks in your community, they're doing a sustaining ritual. People reading your book are doing a sustaining ritual. And You can refine those things, but just to also stress something Steve said, it doesn't have to be something new. It doesn't have to be something grand. It might just be a little bit more of an intentional focus. So during lockdowns, for me, it was sleep, focusing on my sleep, getting my little ring and understanding how to actually teach myself sleep hygiene, which I had heard about and never actually utilized. I think, you know, sometimes it's easy for us to kind of keep looking for the latest and the greatest, like what's the new, you know, this is going to be the hack that's going to transform it all. And it's like, no, really, what we really should do is just focus on the basic things, those foundational principles that we already know that maybe aren't as sexy and aren't necessarily so exciting, but they work and they really move the needle. And I think if you're willing to I I never like feeling like I have to do something like the minute I feel like I have to do it, then I just resist the whole thing. And it's just very dramatic for me. So I like to just look at it like an experiment. Like, well, let me just try like, to your point with sleep, you know, let me just try 
you know, one thing I I did a while back was, what if I just tried to actually follow my aura rings recommended going to sleep time? Like, I wonder what would happen. And then seeing how much it actually did help me. I didn't go into it like this has to work. Or I'm going to prove that this doesn't work. <laughs> or No, don't tell me what to do. I was like, I just wonder what will happen if I try it for a while. And then seeing the results of that, feeling the results of that. And then going, oh, you know what? Actually, this is a good thing for me when I do this. I am happier. I feel better. It's better being me in my life when I follow these recommendations. So yeah, that would be a pretty simple thing. I don't even have to decide when am I going to go to sleep. I just look, when does my ring tell me I need to go to sleep? You know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes it easier is taking the decision making out of the mix. You know, for people who even liked a little bit more of a recipe, we say the kind of four main categories of sustaining rituals are something for your mind, something for your body, something for any spiritual practice that you might have, and something for your relationships. If you're kind of intentional about trying to fit something that really feels for that one of those four things or all of those four things into every week, you're doing sustaining rituals. Yeah. And you don't have to get perfectionistic about it. You don't have to be doing all the things all the time, just like one thing and let that be enough. I love it. And it's interesting, you know, we were talking about it as we were writing the book and putting relationships in there, it could feel a little off. You're like, well, how is that sustaining me? But if you think about us as humans, we are relational creatures, right? If you are successful yet alone and exhausted, you're not actually successful. And so the emphasis on spending time with the people that you love is absolutely part of how you keep burnout at bay and have yourself feeling like you are not just in control of your life, but you're, you're living an intentional life, right? You're with the people who you want to be with. So relationship is, uh, sounds a little tangential, but it is core to the sustaining rituals as well. So you just mentioned quick your book. Is your book published yet? Is it out? Coming out in the summer. Oh, great. Well, because people are going to listen to this in the future. What's the title of it going to be? Well, the main title <laughs> is Super Abound. Okay. We have not yet come up with the subtitle. Okay. Okay. So so people can look for that in the future. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> if they check out our website, they'll see all this. Okay. We'll, we'll make sure people are well notified. Yeah, they're well notified <laughs> about it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, and then the if I'm correct, then the the third part is oxygen that we have to tend to, correct? So tell us about that. So oxygen in tending our inner flame, we call that the personal filter. It is literally the way in which you, you know, if, if visionary practice is your free energy and the sustaining rituals are how you build that energy up and, and really have a beautiful stores of it, personal filter is basically how you stop leaking energy. This is by far the hardest one. For most people, especially people who are so responsible for a lot of things like doctors, this really comes down to honoring your own time, your energy. For a lot of folks, it's learning how to say no to things that are not aligned to their bigger vision and not aligned with how they want to live their life. And it can be tricky. Yeah, because another word for the personal filter is your boundaries. And people who suffer from overwhelm or burnout tend to do so. Oftentimes, it's a kind of a self-inflicted wound because the boundaries are not there. 
don't say no. And one way that you can tune in to the fact that you, uh, you may need a stronger personal filter is the feeling of resentment. Because resentment means someone else is doing something to me that I'd rather them not do, but I'm not going to say anything about it. So I'm just going to sit here and stew. And that stewing leaves no room for your vision. It leaves no room for you feeling like a, an active agent in your life. You're actually just feeling like you're at the mercy of everyone else. So it's tricky because it requires a reprogramming of the status quo. It requires some tough conversations, but you either need to embrace those tough conversations or embrace the lack of space in your life and the, the, you know, that existence of resentment. So it's, it's going to be uncomfortable one way or the other. A lot of people choose to stick with the, the devil that they know rather than to actually <laughs> stick yeah. out their neck and ask for what they want. Yeah. I think that, you know, it just often those boundaries come when there's some like sort of like grievous, bad, you know, just crossing of those lines. It's like often like when it gets really, really bad is when we're like, that's it. I will have that conversation that I've been avoiding for the last seven years, you know, <laughs> cannot take this one second longer. I think the challenge for us is can we maybe address it before it gets to that point, that breaking point? And in fact, I think that there are plenty of doctors in the medical community right now who are just considering early retirement. They're like, I'll just leave rather than have to actually work this out. And I don't mean that in like any kind of judgmental way or it is hard to do this. And also, you know, we're talking about like people who are leaders and in our part two, we're going to talk more about that. But often you know, especially if someone is working in a larger hospital system, there are many, many levels of leaders above them, right? Like sometimes things are coming top down and you have the opportunity to decide what you want to think about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you want to draw boundaries or not? What would that look like? And that's a good point also about the personal filter is sometimes it refers to how you're talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. And Oftentimes, the most smothering conversation we're having is the one between us and us. Mm -hmm. And so, as you pay attention to the oxygen and the spaciousness in your own inner environment, it's easy to point the finger at everyone else who's sending down these, you know, odious restrictions and regulations upon us. But really, we play as big of a part in terms of how we frame that, how we're relating to that in our own sense of inner spaciousness and self-care, right? Self-investing that way. Well, and it, what it really reminds me of is just that maturity, your emotional maturity, owning your experience, recognizing mm -hmm. that you have, you know, way more power over your experience of this than you probably think you do. I mean, it's something I have to remind myself of all the time, <laughs> you know, certainly was not a way that I was raised or, you know, to think that way or anything like that. So it's also, it's easy to put the blame or the onus on other people or other organizations. Often, even though it's uncomfortable, it's more comfortable than us going, wait, how am I contributing to this? You know, wait, I actually have the power to change this. Oh, shoot, then I have to change. I'd rather they just change, <laughs> you know, then I don't have to do any heavy lifting. So visionary practice, sustaining rituals, personal filter, you work on those things, it's going to make a big difference. So you guys have actually a free training on this that you can offer everybody. How can they find that so they can hear you talking more about it, like particularly with the practical application of these pieces? Yeah, we did a short and sweet class where we're going to walk you through each 
piece of the tending triad and give you some really concrete ways that you can start to experiment with it. I like that word experiment because this isn't something that you're going to just set for yourself and then adhere to. It's not at all rigid. It's going to evolve with your life. You know, I have clients who their tending triad on a service week looks very different than their tending triad on a research week. So it's something that is really flexible and adaptable, but will, of course, give folks some guidance for getting started. And you can find that at com slash class. Okay. com slash class. Okay, perfect. We've got a little segue of how this is going to lead mm-hmm. into part two. We're going to give a little teaser and leave a few breadcrumbs. So like the personal filter, right? Like you often have to train other people how to work with you, which steps into leadership. I'm excited to talk about that. That's going to be awesome. So that's coming next time. Aaron and Steve, thank you so much for being here today with me. And uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Thank, thank you, you, Katrina. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.